Amen. Thank you, Dodsworth. Appreciate that good song. One of these days, we're going to take the last step. One of these days, we're going to be home. Amen. But until then, there's a work to do. We want to be faithful. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, again to Matthew chapter 6. Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 6. We have been endeavoring by the Lord's help to just get back down to the fundamentals of prayer. And uh, I don't know that I read it last week, but um, just was thinking again about how in uh, Luke's version that this, this prayer comes about because the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And that has really been my prayer um, these weeks as I've been preparing uh, these messages. And, and uh, I hope it has become a prayer for you. And, uh, and I'm trusting the Lord will help us. The Lord will help us to, to, uh, to grow just in the fundamentals of prayer. I'm, I'm thankful for the George Mueller's and... Praying Hyde and, and those the great heroes of, of prayer throughout our history. And, and sometimes when I read their biographies or read their stories, I, sometimes I get overwhelmed. I think, wow, I'm so far from that. And I really believe the Lord is just, just wants to, us to get right back to the, the fundamentals. It's not about how great our prayers are. It's not... It's not whether we're known for a prayer or not, but just simply that, that we have the right attitude and the right spirit and the right expectations of prayer. So I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word as we once again look at the words of Christ as He teaches us to pray. Begin reading in verse 5. And when thou prayest... Thou shalt not be as the... Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 9. Verse 9. I'd like to go all of that, but verse 9. And after this manner pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory ever. Amen. By the help of the Lord, I'd like to talk to us about just one sentence of this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, need your help one more time. We're so limited in our humanity. The scope of our wisdom is so small but yours is so great. And so we hide ourselves in you today, asking one more time that you'd help us to rightly divide the word of truth, that you would be glorified and honored, and that we would be better for it. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. We're right in the middle of our series on the five hours of prayer, and I knew that we would be taking a little break for camp um, but as I was thinking about 
this process. And I, I almost wonder if there was good wisdom on the Lord's part. Actually, I know there's good wisdom, but just to give us, help us as we're beginning to get into the place of prayer for a camp and, and also as we um, just are, are hopefully getting, getting our hearts in that right place. So think about the first R was our relationship with God and how that's the very foundation of prayer, that without relationship, our prayers wouldn't, wouldn't mean anything. And God invites us to call him our Father. And, uh, and then also how then that last week the Lord uh, showed us that we are supposed to uh, remember that the reign of God and that God is in control and how we're supposed to accept that and how we're supposed to advance it. And uh, if, you missed, if you missed one of them, I'd, I'd encourage you to, to try to catch up. Um, I really do believe these are foundational for us to be able to, to know how to pray. But this week, this week is our reliance on God. Our reliance on God. And if I'm going to be truthful, I think of the five R's, this is probably the one that's hardest for me. From a very young age, I had to be self-reliant. I, I, it was my, I, my responsibility. I was the oldest. I was responsible for my younger siblings. Of course, you know, my father passed away when I was young, and, and uh, mom wasn't around very much. And, and so for almost from a very young age, I had to take care of myself. And if I had a need, I had to meet it myself. I had to find a way to get it taken care of myself. And, and then when I became a Christian and and now I'm supposed to rely on God. And, and it's been a process. It's been, it's been a difficult process for me to, to just be able to trust him and, and, and just to be able to know that, that when I have a need, that, that I can count on God to be able to meet it. And I think, you know, he's probably answered a million prayers or even more than that in my walk with him. And yet... Despite the evidence and despite the fact that he's never failed me, I think this is probably the hardest of the fundamental five hours of prayer for me. And I don't know about you, maybe, maybe some of you just, it's easy for you to rely on God. Maybe it's easy for you to, you know, your parents were, were there and they were trustworthy and, and you just, you just kind of have this uh, just easiness of going into the place of prayer and, and just being able to just count on God that he's going to answer it. And that's the way it should be. But, but maybe, maybe there are some here that are like me that, you know, it's, it's by sweat and blood and tears we get something done. You know, I was thinking, I, I read a story this week of a, of a man who was, was out with, it, with one of his uh, sons, and they were, they were on some bluffs and so forth, and I, I don't know the whole details, but they were, as they were there, the son yelled, Hey, Dad, catch me! And the dad looked, and his son was, had, was plummeting down towards him, and he, he caught him quickly and got him to the ground, and he's, he about lost his heart in the whole situation, just about had a heart attack. And he, he said, I couldn't even hardly get my breath. And finally, I said, son, give me one good reason you would do that. And the son said, easy, because you're my dad. And I think, wow, 
just the incredible amount of trust that the son leapt before he even called on his dad for help. And I'll be honest with you, I, for me that seems crazy to leap and then say, God, catch me. <laughs> I know you can. I know you will. And yet, our children oftentimes show us how God wants us to be with him. God, I can trust you to catch me. I know you can. I believe you can. I believe you will because you love me. Give us this day our daily bread. And as I was thinking about this, this it's, it's just a small little sentence hidden away in this prayer, and, and maybe it's not even really the most, in, in a lot of ways, it's kind of the most mundane sentence in the whole prayer. And, and then I realized that God is telling us, Jesus is trying to teach us, God cares about the mundane needs. Those everyday things that are, that are just, you know, maybe not that big of a deal, you, I was reading and I, uh, here, and I, it's our daily bread. And I said, why bread? Why did Jesus not teach us to pray for our daily steak? You know, I mean, I like steak. You know, I, I enjoy a good steak. Don't burn it. Ay, ay, ay. But a good, juicy steak is a wonderful thing. Or, or maybe, you know, someone here would say, you know, what I really like is a good salad. You know, if I could get a good salad, maybe there's some rabbits here that, that like that. That would be what you would pray. Lord, give me a good salad. Or, and the list goes on and on of, of we all have our different foods. I know Kelsey, she would pray, give us our daily spaghetti. She loves spaghetti. And we would all maybe pick our own thing. Why bread? I mean, let's be honest. Bread is what, you know, prisoners are supposed to get throughout history, right? Feed them bread and water. Why would we, why would we go to God and say, Lord, give me prisoners' food? When we could ask for steak, or at least ask for a fish sandwich. I mean, there's no meat here. There's, there's not enough of your daily requirements. I mean, doesn't the Lord know about the food pyramid? And I think, you know, as I was meditating on this, and, and listen, I love homemade bread, especially homemade bread. I mean, there's probably not a smell that's better than that. If they made homemade bread aftershave, I would wear it. <laughs> If they made it in perfume, I certainly would buy my wife some. She might not wear it, but man, if she ever did, I mean, uh, uh, wow, that'd be great. I mean, homemade bread is an amazing smell. But it's, it's bread. And man, I mean, it can taste wonderful, but it's still just bread. And as I begin to think about this, I begin to realize God wants us to be able to trust him with the small things. Just those everyday, normal needs that you and I have that maybe aren't a big deal and maybe they're not you know, going to uh, change the world, but it's just something that we face. And, and, 
you know, I, you know, if God would have said, you know, Jesus would have said, pray for our daily steak or, or, or something, maybe we might fall into this health and wealth kind of gospel. Maybe we think that, that God just wants us to have, you know, all these luxuries and all these wonderful things. And I believe God does want us to have wonderful things. And I do think that God is pleased to give his children luxuries. But we need to be able to trust God with our small, everyday problems. That word daily is interesting. You know the Greek word there doesn't show up anywhere else in Scripture except for in the two accounts of uh, the Lord's Prayer. Shows up nowhere else in Scripture. But they, uh, archaeologists have dug and they found in Greece, they found this word in, uh, on a parchment or something. And, and do you know what it was? It was a grocery list. It was a grocery list. And you know what, as, 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 as I begin to understand something about, as Jesus is telling us to pray for our daily bread, what he's saying is, is, is in those days, they didn't have the means of preservation that we do. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have freezers. They didn't have um, canning. They didn't have preservatives that you can keep a McDonald's hamburger for five years and it doesn't grow mold. They didn't have any of those things that we take for granted. Uh, this is the season where, where people are beginning to freeze corn or, or they're beginning to can. And, and, and all of these things, it's an exciting kind. It always was exciting around our house this time of year as, as, the, as the goodies started coming in. As, as the, we'd get our, go to the, uh, to the um, fields and, and we'd pick our own blueberries. Or we'd go and get strawberries, and there was a farm near us that had strawberries that were seriously this big. They were incredible. We'd make freezer jam, and oh, I mean, it just was, and, and mom would make strawberry pies. This was a good time of year, but we were laying up. And I remember as, one of, uh, as a child, and it would be about this year, about when school would start, there was a grocery store that would have their canned good sales. And my parents would save up money for, throughout the whole year. And we would go, and there would be canned goods. And they would have tents out in the parking lot. And we would go, and we'd buy cases of vegetables and other things that, that whatever we didn't can, we could get there. And, and we would take them home. And, and we, I don't even know how many hundreds of pounds of, of canned goods we would take home during the, the, this particular store's canned goods sale. So we don't really understand about daily bread. In fact, I would, I would dare suggest that there's probably nobody here that has no food for tomorrow in your house. Now, you might think you have no food. You might not have enough to make a, a proper meal. But after you finish your food for the day, after you've had, had supper tonight or you're uh, just before midnight snack, there will be still something in the house for tomorrow. There will be cereal for breakfast, or, or, or there will be bread. or there'll be, there, You don't worry about starving tomorrow. They didn't have bank accounts. They didn't have any of those things. And what Jesus is trying to say to us is this. We need to be able to trust God for what 
our everyday things that we can't save up for. Things that we can't prepare for tomorrow. That we don't have the ability to prepare for tomorrow over. It's just the small everyday things that, that just show up. And it's, it's, it's simple. It's a mundane everyday occurrence. Oh, that God would help us to be able to understand this. God was trying to teach the children of Israel back in Exodus, as, as you recall, as, they, as of course they called out on the Lord for asking Him for, for something to eat, and that God sent the manna. And they were to gather it in the morning, and, and there was a rule. It was a very important rule. You couldn't save any for tomorrow, except for you could save on the day before the Sabbath. There wouldn't be any manna coming on the Sabbath. You could prepare for the Sabbath, but other than that, you weren't to save any. You weren't supposed to have any extra left over. But you know, there were people who did it anyways. You know, I'd like to really criticize the children of Israel here. I just love to say to them, you know God just rained down manna from heaven for you this morning, and he says he's going to rain it down tomorrow, and if he was able to give you bread today, why would he starve you tomorrow? Use your head, people. God has proven trustworthy today. You can trust him for tomorrow. I'd love to do that, but let's just be honest. God's done a lot for us in the past, and we get to a new problem, and what happens is we, we start fretting again. And some stored it. I think, if I'm just being honest, I think there were on the first day there was probably a lot of people. Maybe, all, maybe, maybe most people began to store up the bread just in case for tomorrow. And if I'm being honest, completely, completely honest, this morning, I might have been one of them. I might have been one of them. But what would happen? They'd, they'd go to the bread in the, the next day, and it was moldy, and it was wormy. I hope they checked it out before the manna burned off in the sun. Or they probably were going to go hungry that day. I hope they checked their supply before it was too late so they could go out and get a fresh supply. Do you know we have a daily need we cannot store up? the presence of Almighty God. We have a daily need for spiritual nourishment. Every single day, day in and day out, we need to be in contact with God. Jesus said that He was the bread of life. And when I think about that, I realize that God is, is wanting us to understand something. I can't keep going on yesterday's blessings. I can't, I can't stay true to God having had an experience five days ago. Certainly not five years ago. But I, not even five days. Not, I, folks, that's why we have church on, on Wednesday nights is because we have a recognition one day a week isn't enough. And, and really, if we were going to be the New Testament church, the early church, they, they met daily. They had church every single day. I think Kelsey would have a fit if we did that. <laughs> 
I think some of you would be kind of worn out. I mean, I mean, we have revival, and we used to have 10-day revivals, and now we've gotten them down to six-day revivals, and we're exhausted after that. I'm not being critical. I'm not being critical. I just want us to understand that we, if, if we're not going to do it in church, if we're not going to have a daily connection with God in, in, in a church service and together, we're going to have to do it at home. We're going to have to be responsible for ourselves. We can't, count, we can't count on being fed by the preacher. Now, hopefully you do get fed. Hopefully, hopefully there's something in here for you. But, but if you don't get fed that particular Sunday, it, that message wasn't for you. It was for someone else and you're not getting fed. You're going to starve to death if you don't go and seek out spiritual nourishment for yourself. And Jesus is teaching us daily we need to ask God for our mundane, everyday things, the things we have to have for today's problems and today's struggles, the normal everyday thing, we need to be able to trust God. Now I'm going to do something that I do every, every now and again, and I don't mean to do it, but I'm going to talk out of the other side of my mouth. Not only does he want us to pray for the mundane things, but I believe this this uh, sentence, this prayer of Jesus is also for us to pray for the monumental things, the great big things. Now, I, I told you that bread is, is, you know, that's prisoner's food. That, I mean, that's just, that's, that's bare bottom of our basic needs. But, you know, I've, I've realized that one of the greatest blessings that I've ever, uh, that I have is that God has given me is that I've never once had a time that my children have cried asking for food and they're not being the ability to provide it for them. I looked and uh, I looked it up this and they tell me that on average every single year 3.1 million children will die of starvation. And I think those poor parents the poor kids, certainly, but those poor parents that have day after day the child asks for food and has cried out for food, and day after day the parent has maybe done the best they could and given them what they could, but, but there was not enough to go around. And, and day after day hearing the cries and I'm hungry and there's nothing they can do. I think I've told you this proverb before, but it's, there's a proverb that says, plenty of food, plenty of problems. No food, one problem. And when you don't have food, it becomes a huge, huge concern. When there's no food available, when there's, when there's nothing to eat and, and it's time to eat, and you didn't have enough yesterday, and you didn't have enough the day before, suddenly it becomes a monumental problem. It becomes a big deal. And nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how fancy of a vehicle you drive. It doesn't matter how big your house is. It doesn't matter uh, any of those other things. Nothing else matters except for that one thing. We've got to have food. We've got to have food. There's that that in it and it, it and have you ever been really really hungry? I mean, star, almost feeling like you're starving. You've only been you know, 
in my son's case, two hours without food. But for some of us other ones that have been, you know, maybe you've fasted a day or maybe, you're, maybe you've just been too busy to, to get breakfast and lunch. You just hurry through your day and, and it's getting on late in the evening. And, and, you're start, and what happens? You can't concentrate on anything else. The only thing that's going on in your head is, I have to eat. I have to eat. And I mean, everywhere you look, all you can see is restaurants as you're driving home, hoping that, you're, that there's going to be food on the table. Hopefully your wife has prepared it, or hopefully your husband has prepared it. All you, I mean, and you, you can smell McDonald's, and McDonald's isn't for five miles. It consumes your thoughts. It consumes all of your other appetites. You don't, you, you, there, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Even you're tired, you're exhausted, but no matter how tired you are, if you're starving, you want to eat first. You might fall asleep in your food, but you want to eat first. It, is the, it becomes the driving need and I believe when Jesus is telling us, listen, when we pray for our daily bread, it's not just the normal, everyday, basic need, but it's also the great big thing that takes over and consumes everything that we're going through. Every, every, everything pales in comparison to this problem I have right now. And some of us face those, haven't we? Maybe it's a physical need. You're in pain, and all you can think about is your pain. Nothing else matters. It's, you wake up in pain, and, and uh, all day long it's pain, and, and you try to go to sleep, and you can't sleep because of pain. And you don't care about eating. You don't care about uh, anything but just getting away from the pain. Or maybe you've got a financial problem. Maybe you have, have a financial need. And all you can think about is how are we going to meet this bill? Where can we cut back? How can we, how can we make this change? And it consumes our thoughts. And I want you to know that when we go to the place of prayer, God says, I can meet those kind of needs too. When we say, give us this day our daily bread. Give me what I have most need of today. I have a great need. You have a great need. You have something that, that you're praying and asking God, God, take care of this situation. And if it's not today, it will be tomorrow or, or next week. There's something that occasionally in our lives, we get mountains that are way too high for us to climb. We get valleys that are way too deep for us to go through. We get battles that are so hot and so hard that we can't make it through them ourselves. And all we can do is focus on those things. And I want you to know that Jesus says when we go to the place of prayer, we can take that great big colossal problem, the thing that is dwarfing everything else, and we can just say, God, can you take care of this mountain? I can't see anything else. I can't, I can't focus on anything else. I can't, I can't, I can't be even... And I don't mean it this way, Lord, but I really can't even be thankful for my other blessings because all I can see is this big problem in my way. And God says, I can take care of that kind of need. I can take care of that kind of problem in your life. It's too big for you, but I want you to know it's not too big for God. It's too big for you to handle. It's a too great of a burden for you, but I want you to know it's not too big for God.
And God cares about them. And he's able to meet them. Give us this day our daily bread, our, our mundane, our, our small problems, our everyday small things, our monumental problems. Our, we're starving to death. Lord, I need today's bread. I need today's need taken care of. And as I was reading through this again, and I noticed something, give us this day our daily bread. Us, our. God doesn't just want us to take to him my problems, but he wants us to take our mutual problems, the problems of my neighbor and the problems of of my friend and the, the problems of, of uh, my nation and the, and the problems of the world and, and all of these other things, our missionaries. And, and all of a sudden, I begin to realize that, that it's not just praying for all the things that I care about, the needs that I face, but I'm suddenly, it's an invitation, it's a realization, an invitation for me to be able to hold up someone else who has a need. It's not just give me this day my daily bread, not just my family. Martin Luther, as he was, as he was uh, expounding on this, he says this is a prayer for the farmer that the, that the Lord will meet their, the, uh, give them a good crop and meet their financial needs. This is a prayer for the, the government, the local government, and, and, the, and, the, and our uh, national government, that they, would, that they would have policies that would promote good economy. Suddenly we begin to realize that this is more than that. He says this is about that, that each person along the chain of supply, the, the grocer and so forth, that they would have a fair balance, that nobody would be cheating anybody in the process. This is a prayer for others. This was, was, I read an anonymous story. He didn't say who he was. But a pastor was traveling on an airplane. And he saw a man with cards and he was flipping through them and he was not vocally, but he was moving his lips and he he said, I wonder if he's a believer like I am. Maybe Is he memorizing scripture? Is he praying? He, did, he wasn't quite certain. And so he asked him, he says, uh, he introduced himself and he asked him, he says, uh, hey, uh, are you, are you, uh, what are you doing? Are, are you memorizing something? He says, no, I'm praying. Well, he goes, I'm a believer. He said, he said, what are you praying for? And the man with the card said, I'm praying for the downfall of Christian leaders. He was not a follower of God. He was a Satanist who was going through and he had taken and written down names of Christian leaders and he was going through on that plane ride one by one praying that they would fall. And when I read that story, I realized we've got an awesome responsibility. We've got an awesome responsibility to uphold and pray for the strengthening of our Christian leaders of not only our Christian leaders, but, but the people in our church, our Sunday school superintendent, our, our board members, our, our Sunday school teachers. We have a responsibility for, to pray for our district superintendents and, and for our, uh, our uh, general superintendent, for our pastors. 
There could be at this very moment someone praying for the downfall of someone that you have confidence in. And God's given us the privilege of holding up someone and saying, Lord, don't allow it to happen. God, you strengthen them. You uphold them. Lord, you don't, don't allow that, that person to fail. I know they're going through a hard time. Meet their need. Help them to see that you're strong and mighty. We have a serious epidemic in our, in our country today of empty pulpits. Do we pray that God will send forth laborers? I know it's been often used for missions, and we certainly need missionaries. I'm not downplaying that at all, but that's, I believe, a prayer we need to be praying. Lord, help fill our pulpits. How many churches are closing in our holiness movement every year? No pastor to go, or if they do have a pastor, the, the numbers keep dwindling. And are we praying, Lord, help Help that church to be revived. Help it to, to grow. Help, help it to make a difference in its community. Don't let the light go out in that town. I don't know what your burden is supposed to be. I don't know who it is that, that you're supposed to be standing in the gap for. I don't know whose hedge that you're supposed to be making up around them, praying this wall around them that, that the enemy won't be able to touch them. But if we don't do it, who will? Who will? It's not, Lord, give me my daily bread, but Lord, give us. Give us our daily bread. And we can say, it doesn't affect me, it doesn't touch me, but it soon might. It soon might. It may be not today, you know, it... it, it, it might affect the churches down the road, but it doesn't affect us just yet. But folks, when it does, who's going to pray for us? Who's going to hold us up? Oh, that the Lord would help us as we pray not to just hold up our needs, but that we'd hold up each other, their needs. I know that we spend probably too long in our services, going through our prayer list, recounting the needs of others. And sometimes I, 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 just, sometimes I just feel that tug. I know that we need to get on with the service, and I know that we, have the, you know, we want to get to the preaching, and we, and we certainly want the special song, and, and we don't want the service to run too late. And, 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 I, and so I, I feel the need to hurry, but also I, I think you know, we have this great privilege of holding up these other people and some of them that don't even know how to pray for themselves. And I feel this awful tug almost every time I, I, I get to the time of, of going through our prayer list. I'm not sure, Lord, how quickly should I go through this? Should I go very quickly and, and get to the other parts of the service? Or, or do I need to just stay here a while so that we can just take some time to just uphold these people? Because if we don't pray... They might fall. Some of these are physical needs. Let's be honest, when you're having a lot of physical problems, you become weaker spiritually oftentimes. 
You become vulnerable to the Satan's attacks. And, and when we, don't, we just don't pray for them, we don't uphold them, and it, oh, it's just a physical need. But it might be more than that. It might be more than that. We have a responsibility not just to pray for my bread, but for your bread as well. Oh, that God would help us carry that load together. Mundane needs, monumental needs, mutual needs. We bring them all before the Lord, trying to rely on Him, because we can't meet those needs in our own strength and our own power. A man was learning how to pilot an airplane. I think that would be kind of an interesting thing to learn how to do. And the trainer was over there in the co-pilot seat, and he told the, this, this individual, he said, oh, what I want you to do is I want you to take this plane and I want you to put it into a steep dive. And so he did, not knowing what would happen. And as they went down the steep dive, the engine stalled. And he began to panic, and he began to, to work and do everything he could. And he finally got the engines restarted and got everything under control. And this new wannabe pilot, this pilot in training, looked over and said, Why did you do that? Why did you tell me to do that? that we could have been killed. And the trainer said this, There's not a situation that you can get this plane into that I can't get you out of it. And I want you to know there's not a situation that you can get your life into that God can't get you out of it. We make, our, we make bad decisions. Our, we, we're not wise enough. Sometimes, let's just be honest, most of the time we are our own worst enemy. Sometimes this life we just, we just, we just stall out. And it's our fault. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's, it's God's design. Sometimes God is, is teaching us something, but, but all, it seems like more times than not, it's our own fault, at least my, in my case. I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for me. And it seems like the engine stalls, and it seems like, seems like death is certain. But I want you to know that the next time that's happening, or if that's happening to you right now, I want you to hear the Holy Spirit say, there's not anything you can do. There's not a situation you can get yourself into that I can't get you out of it. A few years ago, my children attended a camp where there was a, of course, they had the children's service, and their theme was frog, fully rely on God. It's cute, but I think, oh, I hope that my children can learn it better than I have learned it. I hope they can learn it quicker than I have learned it. And it's my prayer that all of us will get this, one of these most important fundamentals of prayer. We have to rely on God. There's no one else that we can rely on. No one else we can put our trust in. No one else has the track record that God has. He can see us through. Let's rely on God. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's stand together.
Amen. Amen. Cameron, would you just miss us in prayer?